Boom. You like that? You saw you rocking out to the music. You Bro, like that? Of course I like that. Are you kidding me? I'm an energy junkie. Bring me the energy, man. You're an energy junkie that's been up since 1 a.m. and it's currently 11.08 that in the is, morning. That is correct. We in are 12 Vegas. hours into the day. Let's go. I love it. You didn't, most people rock the clock. You, you did sleep. You just yeah. got up early to do your East Coast stuff. Yeah, slept two hours, 10 minutes, got a cycle in, and now we'll roll. I love it. I love it. You've already done a two podcasts today, or one in a Q&A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So tell me, Glenn Lundy. It's so crazy. I met you last night at right. the hockey game via our mutual friend, David Meltzer. Yeah. And uh, we instantly hit it off. And you told me some wild, amazing stories. I don't know if you want to tell them today or not. Um, oh, but, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But um, let's, let's go back to tell, tell everyone what you're doing currently. And then we'll, maybe we'll backtrack. Yeah, so um, currently I'm raising eight kids. <laughs> we start there. Yeah, I, I think that's called a litter. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I got a litter of babies. Yeah. I got uh, six little girls and, and, and two boys, and so I'm currently raising them, and at the same time, an entrepreneur. I own my own business. I work with owners and general managers of car dealerships all over North America, and then we have our daily morning show, GM3X. Uh, we do that at 5.30 a.m., and we also have uh, Breakfast with Champions on Clubhouse, which is basically a motivation, education, inspiration network, audio only, that we have built out, and, you know, do some speaking around uh, around the country and, you know, things like that. Yeah, I love it. And uh, go back to Six Daughters real quick, and uh, <laughs> you, you gave me a hard laugh uh, last night, because as a joke, I go, which one, you showed me a photo, a family photo, and I go, which one's your favorite? Do you have a favorite? And, and I was kidding, and you're like, no, I do. <laughs> yeah, Oakland, man, my three-year-old, she's, she's, she's the queen. She's, she's the, the queen, queen of the roost. And yeah. everyone else knows it in the family. Everyone else knows it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's clear, don't mess with Oakland. Oakland's right. the boss, she runs the show. It's interesting, though, man, the, the the reality behind that, why why she is currently uh, my favorite, and all my kids go through seasons when they're my favorite. Right. Uh, but the reason Oakland is the favorite right now is Oakland is my first daughter that I was actually home often while she was a baby. So I used to firmly believe, bro, that a dad could not connect with a child under two years old. Interesting. I firmly believed it. I thought, you know, it's just mama's the mom's doing the nursing, right. the mom's doing the we can't connect. Once the baby starts to talk, now maybe we can connect. Like right. I believed that. And I, I told people that through my first six kids. Yeah. Uh, but I was also working in the automotive industry. I was leaving the house at six in the morning. I wasn't getting home till eleven o'clock at night. Yeah. But I was blaming the age of the child, not necessarily the reality of the situation, which I was never there. Yeah. So with Oakland, I was an entrepreneur, and me and my wife made a deal where we, you know, I eat breakfast and dinner with my kids 250 days a year. We have 115 days left for me to travel and do all the other things. And so Oakland was born, and I was actually home a lot. And bro, that's my girl, man. I love it. That's my girl. That's really cool. Yes, sir. Now, I feel like you should do it like the UFC does. Every week, they release the rankings of yeah. the fighters, <laughs> I think, you, I think it's idea. time to start ranking the kids, right? You've got uh, Oakland would be the, ch the reigning champ, yep. right? Yep. And then you'd have a number one contender and yep. just go all the way down the list and then change those rankings based on report cards, behavior, I think that's presence. super smart, dude. <laughs> that is super smart. We probably get better activity. Yeah. Inspect what you expect, right? So we yeah. can set all that up. Yeah, and, and then maybe with all great. your connections, maybe it's sponsored by Ford or I don't know. like. <laughs> <laughs> 
That could be right. Cool too. Start putting it up yeah. on social media. Take the hate for ranking your kids. You oh know? man, I love I like it. it. Let's go. That sounds awesome. Post yeah. it once a week. Yeah. Everybody, let all the haters. Come I think out. Friday it comes out for the UFC. Every Friday, I think they, they release the or no Monday. Monday they release the rankings based on Saturday night's fights. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. So every Monday, I think you should start the week oh, off I ranking these kids. Smart. Let's rank the kids. Let's rank the kids, dude, and bring out the haters. Right. <laughs> all the haters will come out, and people will be like, "Wait a minute, participation trophies. Right. They're, they're all equal. Right. And they're I'm all like, number one. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, hell no, not this week, man. Sometimes I want to throw these kids through the drywall, man. Like, let's be honest, right? Man. Like, right. I, my eight year old the other day, I told her, I was, I was so frustrated in the middle of the night, sleep deprived, and she was driving me nuts. And I was like, I literally want to throw you through the drywall right now. Please go to bed. You're driving me crazy, right? right? So I think that that that's a great idea. I'll tell you a funny story too, man. Each of my kids, so I'm half black, right? Half white. My, my, my wife is white. And each of my kids have gotten lighter and lighter skin. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, right? So my daughter, Meredith, she's seven years old. She actually has blonde hair. Is this thing, what is this thing doing? You're just popular, man. Oh my man. gosh, that's it's my okay. wife calling me. I've take never it. had a... You could take it on the I've air. I've never had like a... I don't even know how this thing works. No? Hey. Hi, I am recording a podcast right now at the moment in Hi. the studio. <laughs> huh? Goodbye. <laughs> oh, I wanted to know what she wanted. Hey, honey. John that's interviewing me wants to know what you want. What, what you were calling for, not what you want. But he wants to know what you were calling for. Oh, just to give you the dentist report. I don't want to do that on a podcast. Fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what was the dentist report? Oh, well, they can hear you, actually, on the podcast <laughs> right now. That's why I was hoping you'd say it. I know. I feel Good. like White Trash Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> so you took four, you took oh my four God. of our babies to the dentist today, right? Yes. How many cavities collectively? I really don't want to say <laughs> Oh, my God. Come on. Come on, Come baby. on. Right, right. Four kids. Right. I'm going to go 12 cavities. I'm going to go 12 cavities collectively. I'm going to need you to multiply that by two. Oh! No! No way! <laughs> this would be a... This would be a good time for me to mention Hollywood Smile. Dr. Kim over at Hollywood oh, Smile here in Las Vegas wow. on Drop and Eastern will take care of all those cavities if you want to bring the kids. Bring the kids here. I'll get them all comped for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Clearly, you're keeping them down with Twinkies. That's what you're doing. <laughs> Sheesh. Oh my! He told the dentist that. <laughs> He's grounded. This is well, incredible. Awesome, babe. Well, okay, that's quite a few cavities. Hey, don't be mad. Don't be mad when this exact clip ends up on TikTok. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> I'll let you know how it does. <laughs> okay, well, thanks. All right, babe. I love you. Right. Holy shit. I thought I was, I was, might be high when I said 20, uh, 12. Oh, I don't know what happened. 24 cavities collectively between so four kids. So pre-COVID, none of my kids had had a single cavity. Ever. Ever. 
Wow. So I don't know what I don't know what happened. Okay. Apparently we fell apart. Do we have less, dental insurance? We have house. dental insurance over there? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, we got money. Is. You don't care. You <laughs> got the money. I know what you got coming in. It's all good. <laughs> we got money. Yeah. I don't know. Shit. But no, I was saying. Dude. You could do 144 <laughs> cavities fucking with you, Glenn. <laughs> we'll get it fixed, bro. We'll get it fixed. I've spent 25 grand on right. this smile right here, so I, I know what it is. There you go. <laughs> but no, I was saying my daughter, man, my seven-year-old, she's seven now. She has blonde hair and blue eyes. Yep. Right? And so each kid has been getting like effectively lighter skinned. And so when Meredith came out, I was looking at my wife like, like this kid's got blonde hair, blue You're eyes. You're like, come on, come clean. Yeah. I said, I, I said, honey, is this the Amazon baby? Right. And she goes, Amazon baby. I said, well, look, I've been on the road a lot. Mm -hmm. the, the Amazon delivery guy's been here every day. Mm -hmm. Like, is this the Amazon baby? Just tell yeah. the truth. And you know what my wife says? What'd you say? She looks at me and she goes, Nah, dude, you're just running out of toner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, she's hilarious. She's one of a kind. I man. thought you were gonna say she said something like, "No, the UPS guy's cuter." No, you man. know, she just no. said, "You're just running out of toner, bro." You're running I'm out like, of toner. Okay. What's up with your toner, Glenn? Hey, right, hey, okay. it is what eh, it is. I guess it happens. But no, it's awesome, man. Crazy dynamics. My wife's a saint. She's amazing. Yeah, she runs the roost, and and I get to do things, cool things like this. Like yeah, come to Vegas and go to hockey games and hang out with you. Yeah. She's obviously pretty chill because you told me a story last night uh, that you couldn't spend your anniversary with her one year. Yeah. Um, could you elaborate on that? Yeah. So um, I had done a podcast interview with this guy named Dave Meltzer. I don't know if you know this guy. Or not, I know but, him. Uh, I know the name. Uh, so I had done an interview with him and fell in love with Dave in the interview. Was yep. like, need to know you. How do I get into your circle? How do I get closer? So we started some coaching, mentoring um, type stuff. And, and this was how long ago? This was three years ago, probably. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Three, right, right, right at three years ago. And so I started working with him. And then fast forward, I was sitting on the couch with my wife. Yeah. And I get a, a text message from Dave and it says, uh, meet me in San Diego, 8.30 a.m. Saturday, September 4th. And this was like on Wednesday. And uh, so I'm looking at, I'm sitting there, I look at the message, you know, meet me, San Diego, 8.30. I live in Kentucky, by the way. 8.30 a.m. Saturday, I'm like, all right. So I point it, I turn it, I look over at my wife, and I'm like, hey, honey, um, I'm going to miss our anniversary, which is September 4th. Right. I'm going to be going to San Diego to meet up with Dave Meltzer. And my wife's like, cool. You know, a guy like that hits you up. You got you to you gotta go see what it's all about. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. And so hopped on a plane. Uh, that Friday, flew out to San Diego, sent Dave a message that night, like, hey, I'm here. I still have no idea why I'm here. I didn't ask any questions. I'm just like, I'm here. Tell me where to go. So he says, he all I get back is an address. That's it. It's just an address. So I'm like, all right, I guess I go to this address, right? So next morning, I want to be early and professional and all that stuff. And so I go to this address. I'm thinking we're going to a restaurant, an office. Something like that. I end up pulling into this like neighborhood of like beach houses. When you come in from the backside, there's a parking lot in between all these houses. And so I pull up, and once I see I'm like at houses, I'm starting to trip out a little bit. I'm like, what is this? Right. <laughs> and so I went ahead and like pinged my wife, 
my location and like took a picture and stuff. I'm like, these rich white people. crazy. It was got me crazy white people shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some crazy. You're white like I saw shit. Dahmer. <laughs> exactly. Like I'm a black dude. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know right. what's going on. I never met this guy in person before. <laughs> right. This is kind of crazy, right? Oh, right. You'd only zoom. You'd yeah, only know him I'd on only zoom. Seen him okay. on the interview and a couple phone calls, right? And so I ping my location, let my wife know, like if you don't hear from me in a couple hours, like send the freaking authorities, yeah. right? And then I get out. I park the car. I get out. And I, I'm, I'm still 30 minutes early, and I'm behind these houses. And so I don't want to, like, go knock on the door. Like, if I was at a restaurant or something, sure. I'd go in 30 minutes later early. But this is somebody's house. And so I decide I'm going to walk around towards the front. And there, it's all beachside, like, yep. all ocean right there, Mission Beach. And so I decide I'm going to go out on the on the side. And when I walk out to the side, I start to really get an idea of where I am. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy, man, is 15 years ago, I was homeless in San Diego. And I used to walk the beaches right there on Mission Beach. I used to walk the beach just looking for, like, change, dimes, nickels, quarters. 15 years ago. Yeah, 15 years ago when I was 29 years old. And so I'd look, I'd look for change to get enough change for a sausage McMuffin with egg and an orange juice. So I could hit all my food groups for the day, mm-hmm. right? You got the bread, you got the dairy, you got the beef, you got the meat, all that. And then I, then after I got that, I'd spend the rest of the day looking for enough change to get on the bus because they have 24-hour buses there. So you could sleep on the bus. It was like safest, safest place to sleep. They kick you off 6 o'clock in the morning, right? And so I used to just walk that strip. And while I was walking that strip, I used to always look at, you know, you'd see the, the buff dudes running on the beach, and then you got the people like roller skating, everybody's happy, and you got families, and everybody's holding hands, and there's just wealth and abundance at San Diego, right? And so I'd see all the people living this, this life, and then there was this one house, this big beach house, and had like the blue awning and the, the second level, and then had the big porch that came out. And I used to look at it all the time, and I used to ask myself, like, who, I wonder who the guy is, or girl, I wonder who the guy is that owns that house. Like, what did they do? What are yeah. they doing in their life that's so different than what I'm doing in my life? Why am I the homeless dude on the beach? They're in there. Like, I wish I could just pick that person's brain, sit at their breakfast table, figure out what they're doing that I'm doing so wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And so I did that for whatever period of time. Homelessness is weird because days are like Groundhog Day. And so I don't know necessarily how long I was in that, in that particular season. Uh, but ultimately, I would ask that question all the time. So fast forward back to you know three years ago, here I am. I come around the corner I start to recognize this is the beach and the strip that I used to walk all the time when I was homeless. And so I come down and I walk down a couple houses and literally the house that Dave Meltzer owns that we were having a meeting at that morning is the house. Literally giving me chills. 15 years ago, bro, I used to say, I wish I knew the guy that lived in that in in that house. So I'm so sitting crazy. there, I'm like bawling. You're giving me crying. chills, and you told me this last <laughs> night, so I already know how this ends. I can't even believe you're still getting me. Crazy, right? I'm yeah. bawling, I'm crying, and then Dave Moreno. Literally bawling, right? Like yeah, you're literally just... bawling, dude. Literally bawling, like full circle. And moment. you're like, how am I going in this meeting right now? Like, like this, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got to put myself all together. Dave Moreno comes out, which is a partner of Meltzer's. And yep. I meet Dave, and then Mike Mamula. Uh, comes out next, and you know I'm. I'm gathering Can they tell myself. that you're a little no, like, I'm like what's off going the on? Beach. Okay, I, okay. I see, I see this Got tall it. black guy come out. Okay, and I see, and then uh, you know, and then uh, yeah. Dave Meltzer comes out. It comes out of the house. It's his house, and 
And once Dave comes out, I'm kind of, you know, collected. So I go, we sit down, we actually have a meeting. It was over some automotive stuff. And, and Dave told me that he had sent that message to three different people. He had sent a message saying, meet me in San Diego. Uh, and he said out of the three people in automotive that he knew that he sent that message to, I was the only one that was willing to, without question, just say yes. Right. You just said, just okay. Trust. You didn't say for what? You didn't say, what are we doing? Just Nothing. Said yes, man. Just said yes. And so... Because of that, um, you know, him and I have a really strong relationship now. We've been able to do a lot of business together, uh, which, is in, which is incredible. I've learned and been mentored and coached and watched the person in the house that I always wanted to know. What do they do and how did they get there? Well, now I know what he does and, and, and I know how he gets there. And he's yeah. teaching me to do the same things, man. So that pretty, is, pretty cool. That is an amazing story. It really is. Yeah, I mean, to, to, to go from home, I mean, 15 years ago, that's not long. Like, you know, sure. it's important, I think, for people that listen to this that are maybe going through whatever that like, that may seem like a long time ago. But I mean, if you think of where you're actually at now, right, it's like 15 years ago. Okay, that's a long time ago. Sure. But if you think of what you've gone from homeless to where you are right now on the earning scale is insane. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess there's quite a few multiples there. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's just from you. You made a conscious decision. You were telling me like you, you, you flipped your switch because you used to blame other people for your situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you just finally like took ownership that you're in the driver's seat. Well, there was... You know, homelessness, like I mentioned, it's kind of get, it gets Groundhog Day, right? Every day is kind of the same. And what ends up happening in homelessness, the worst part of homelessness, is not uh, the lack of money or shelter or, or friends or family. The worst part of homelessness is you start to feel invisible. Like people will not make eye contact with you. They're right. afraid you're going to mug them. You're going to ask them for money, whatever. So they right. look above you, below you, to the left of you, to the right of you. They will not look you in the eye. And nobody ever says your name. Yeah. And so I, in that season, as each day was just Groundhog Day, you know, completely lost, I, I completely lost hope. And in that, um, in that, it reached like a, a really deep, dark depression. Like yeah. really deep, dark depression. And... I decided at that point, I decided that since every day was going to be the same and I was invisible anyway, that the best thing that I could do, the best thing that I could do for my mom and the best thing that I could do for my sister is to take my own life. Because I figured the way I saw it, is if I took my own life, then my sister didn't have to be embarrassed that her brother's some homeless dude in California. Mm. And my mom doesn't have to be ashamed or even more so worried about her homeless, you know, bum son who's been out of jail 17 times. And so I decided, and I share it that way for a reason, because a lot of times people think suicide is a selfish act. Yeah. It, in, at that time, I had convinced myself it was the most loving thing that I could do for, for, for the people I loved. It wasn't about me. It was about relieving them of the burden that I was, mm -hmm. right? And so I decided, um, obviously, I didn't have money, homeless, and so on and so forth. I'm not a swimmer. I'm, I'm a very stereotypical. I have a lot of black stereotypes, bro. Water and <laughs> black folks, we just don't like each other that much, right? So I was like, I'll just drown myself. Like, I'll swim out as far as I can, and I won't be able to come back. 
Oh my God. And so I was in, I went to uh, the beach there in La Jolla, which La Jolla, California is the first place I ever saw the ocean. So I went back to that place, waited till the beach cleared out and then went out, man, like walked out into the ocean. I remember walking out. I remember the water. I remember the buoyancy. I remember I like it's it starting to splash up against my face, the salt of it. I, I remember my heart starting to race. And then it's crazy, man. I reached this point where I, where I just like was at peace with this is it. Like this is my last breath. And in that very moment, I went under the water. And as soon as I went under, my feet hit the ground. I like bounced back up out of the ocean. I'm like, what the hell? I'm looking around. I'm like right back up on the beach, dude. The tide was coming in as I was trying to swim out. So you I'm really weren't moving? I'm such a terrible swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> such a terrible swimmer, dude. So I get washed back up on the shore. I'm laying there on the beach like, fuck, man. Like I can't even do this right. Like I feel like an absolute idiot, right? I'm laying there and all of a sudden I look and I see all the stars, the expansiveness of the universe. And in a moment, I'm like, holy crap, man. Like my problems are actually really small in comparison to the expansiveness of the universe. And that's when I heard the words that changed my life forever is I heard, you take yourself wherever you go. Hmm. And my, I had an old mentor of mine um, that used to tell me that all the time. You say, you take yourself wherever you go. And I never really, I, just, I guess I just didn't really understand what he meant by that. But in that moment, when it said, you take yourself wherever you go, I started thinking. I've been in multiple cities. I've been in different friend circles. I've been in all these different environments. But the result continues to be the same. Jail homeless, like all, it's all, it's always bad. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Oh, now I get it. Right. I'm actually the catalyst of all things bad in my life. Right. Yeah. And so that immediately sparked the question in my mind, it immediately sparked the question. Well, wait a minute. If I'm the catalyst of all the bad, does that mean I can be a catalyst of good? Mm -hmm. And as soon as I asked that question, well, then it was like, well, it only makes sense that that would be the case. So now I have to start doing some research to figure out where this comes from. Where does this ability for us to create our own existence, where does it come from? And so I started studying. Uh, I actually went to the Orange County Church of Scientology. I studied Scientology for six months. Scientology introduced me to the idea that we are actually three-part mind, body, and spirit, not just mind and body, which before that I was a very Darwinistic uh, person. And so once I got introduced to this idea of a spiritual aspect to self, then I studied Buddhism, Catholicism, uh, Christianity, ultimately found my path to spiritual understanding through uh, the works of Jesus and, and, and the Bible. And since then, man, it's just been a constant journey of going, okay, well, how like how magnificent can we be in our ability to create and make a positive impact in other people's lives? And I mean, like you said, man, in 15, less than 15 years, we've got yeah. multiple multi-million dollar companies, <laughs> uh, you know, eight babies, beautiful yeah. wife, living the, living the good life. Like it's, it's incredible. The, the path that we've been able to go on and which is really just a path of seeking to understand. Yeah. And in the process getting stronger. And I don't want to put pressure on you, but you're on pace to be a billionaire 
faster than Grant Cardone. That's right, man. Um, <laughs> That's right. I'm going to beat him by a year, at least. <laughs> that is a fact. And I put that on pressure. I check out where he is all the time. I'm like, yo, Grant, because I'm 44 right now. Yeah, you know Grant a long time. Yeah, I've known Grant. Um, I have known Grant since I was 19, <laughs> so 25 years. Wow. Yeah, man. But I, I, uh, I hit him every time. I, every time I'm like, Grant, when you were 44, like the last time I saw him, I was 43. Uh-huh. I said, when, when you were 43, where were you? He's like, ah, oh, man, when I was 43, let's see, I had to, let's see, man, I had my, I had my little sales thing, man, and uh, I think, let's see, when I was, when I was 43, I, I was probably worth about five million. I was worth about five million when I was 43. I'm like, yeah, we got that beat, bro. <laughs> <laughs> We're ahead of the game, bro. We're ahead of the game. That's awesome. But I appreciate him because he carved a path for yeah. me, you know, and we're not doing exactly what Grant does. What we do is we take what Grant did and we've made it better we've modernized it and so we're we're able to move and scale even quicker than he was able to but i'm so grateful for that guy man he's, yeah he's been a massive influence in my life when you met him can you say what he was doing when you when you first met him or no do you know yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. when i first met grant he was selling sales training vhs tapes out of the trunk of his car bro wearing I mean, like just... a men's warehouse suit that <laughs> was too big and his hair was all freaking feathered and it's yeah, just man. amazing because it's one thing when you see people really successful like you or like Grant or David and you, you know, most of us, we only know them from the success point. Right. Right. Uh, you hear them tell the stories sure. about, uh, whatever, you know, but not to say that you ever think they're lying, but it's like, it's, it's just different. It's another yeah. level when yeah. you meet someone like you, it's like, no, I remember that. Oh yeah. I remember him selling VHS tapes out of the trunk of his car. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, my buddy, Scott Ball has the whole set. So Scott Ball was the <laughs> owner of the Nissan dealership that I got my first sales yep. job at. And so we used to watch these tapes. He'd put us in a little utility room. We'd watch the tape, watch the tapes. Well, now Scott is one of my clients in my 800% Elite Auto. And uh, last month he was like, Glenn, look what I found in the attic. And he showed me he's got the whole set That's incredible. of VHS tapes that Grant sold us 25 years ago. That's incredible. <laughs> That's a great story. It's nuts, right? With everything you've been through... And now when you like mentor and you coach people, and I'm sure everyone, there's always a handful that have excuses, right? They're excuse based. When people come at you with excuses as to why they've failed or why they're failing or why it's not not getting the result they want, and they give you these reasons, you must want to laugh inside at them or maybe, right? Or no, like when you think of like, you must be like, bitch, I was homeless. Like I was like, I don't want to hear it. Like I don't want to hear your... What, or if, if someone says, like, I don't have time to go to the gym or whatever those whatever those life excuses are that we we just manufacture. When you hear stuff like that, what what comes to your mind? A lack of awareness. So I don't think that people inherently like I'm I, I know the idiot I was, dude. I was a punk, bro. I was a punk with every excuse in the world until I was 29 years old. And so when I see people living in that existence, I almost feel, well, A, I feel responsible to make sure that they are aware that they are the catalyst and the creator of all that is happening in their existence, right? Mm -hmm. I feel a responsibility to that. But at the same time, I feel... Uh, I hate the word sympathetic because that's almost like looking down on. It's not that. It's empathetic, I guess, is the word I'm looking yeah. for. Like, I understand that without awareness, there is no, there's, there's, there's no change, right? right? And so luckily for me, 
I was able to survive a moment that many people don't. Sure. And get the awareness, yep. right? Uh, but from what I understand about people, the majority of people have not been exposed to the truth, which is that they are magnificent beings. I believe children of God, the God of the universe. They've got the DNA of God himself mm -hmm. in them, which gives them a power to create, man, on a massive, massive scale. But I think a lot of people feel... You know, society tells us we're less than, we're, we don't have value, that we don't have worth. And, and, and so when people, when I'm coaching people and they start down that path, I know that it's now my responsibility to shine a light of awareness on the truth. And we yeah. have to do that in delicate ways, right? Because sometimes people will, will scurry, right? Yeah. You shine the light and they scurry. Uh, and so we have a lot of systems and strategies. So I, I teach... Really, I teach people to be the best versions of themselves they can possibly be, but I teach it through automotive language, uh, strategies, tips, yep. simple practices, things yep. like morning routines, right? All right, so, so okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm coaching you now, so I need you to have a good, powerful morning routine. So here's the morning routine you're going to stick on. Five simple steps. Number one, no snooze button. Number two, no phone first thing in the morning. Number three, gratitude and goals. Number four, take care of the physical. Number five, send out an encouraging message, right? So what I'm really getting to do is slow down and tap into mind, body, and spirit every single morning. Mm. So we've created systems to help people become the best versions of themselves they can possibly be without them even knowing until later that that's what we're doing. Right. You yeah. transform them without them even realizing what, that it's happening. We, we help them transform yeah. themselves. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's interesting. When we were, when we left last night, Vanessa and I, and we were driving home and, you know, after talking to like Meltzer and you and like, you know, I said to her, cause you know, she's from Modesto. So she okay. grew up, uh, her mom's like a computer software engineer. Her dad was an art professor at the college. Um, so she grew up very structured, very nine to five oriented, right. uh, and it's Modesto. So there's not much like dreamer, sure. uh, in, in family or families out there for the most part, I think. Sure. Um, and that's like that, I think in a lot of places. Right. Um, and I said to her, I said, do you see how many de like we met so many people last night that are in business with David Meltzer. Right. Like, cause she always says to me, like, you know, like we have the studio and then I have like this podcast, but then we have the studio and then I've got like other things and film projects and then you know, I'm always swinging, you know? Right, right. Um, and she's always like, you're taking on too much, you're doing too much. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You know, she's always like, you're going to burn out. I'm like, yeah, it is what it, I mean, I'm, t I, you know, I, I've said for years for 30 year career, let's say I hit a lot of singles and doubles. Right. I need to fucking hit one over the wall. Right. right. You know, and I'm sure. running out of, no, I'm running out of time, but you know, it's I like, understand. We got to go deep, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I said to her, like, do you see now how many deals like a guy like David Meltzer's in? You just met, I don't know, 12 people tonight. That's just tonight. That's right. in Vegas right. that he's in business with, you know, and you got your stuff like, you know, and she said, you know, it's like she's not until meeting me was she ever exposed to like people that grind like that and sure. people that have all of these things in the works was it hard for you to have that vision, like to go from homeless to where you are? Like, what was your next step after you came off that beach? And then like the next day, what was step one? Yeah. So the next day there was actually a lady on the beach that was handing out Dianetics books. Really? Right. And she was in that lady's there. Apparently she's there like every day. And she was probably there every day that I was there. But for some reason I never saw her. But that next morning I saw her, right? Which is funny. It's a, it's a lesson. When we, when we seek, 
then we see, right? When we mm -hmm. seek, then we see. Uh, before that, I was still blaming everybody else. So then there was no solution there. But yeah. all of a sudden, she showed up. So she handed me a Dianetics book, which obviously, um, you know, for those of you that don't know what Dianetics is, it's L. Ron Hubbard's study of the mind, the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, and ultimately is what led to the birth of Scientology. So she gave me uh, that book, and then she put me in her car, drove me to the Orange County Church of Scientology, they showed me a movie, then I took an IQ test, and then they gave me a job on the spot, and they gave me a place to stay, all in, all in a day. It was crazy. And so then it just was a journey, man, of learning and relearning and unprogramming and reprogramming. And still to this day, I'm unprogramming and reprogramming and getting in different environments and different rooms with different people to see a different way. My dad drove a forklift, bro, and died at 52 years old taking a nap on a Sunday afternoon and never woke up, right? Wow. My mom, I, I called my mom probably, I guess this was six years ago now. I called my mom one day on a Sunday. She answers the phone like, hello? And I'm like, mom, what's wrong? Oh, I'm just dreading going to work tomorrow. I'm like, dude, it's 8 a.m. Sunday, and you're already dreading going to work Monday? Like, this isn't good. And I got off the phone and I told my wife, I said, next phone call I get, my mom's going to be dead just like my dad is. I said, we got to get her out of there, right? And so I called and ultimately, long story short, I ended up buying my parents a house and moving them to Kentucky and she's, she's, she's thriving now, right? Wow. But it's just, it's just this, um, you know, when we go back to like really just that lack of a, a awareness, the more awareness I got of a different way than I desire to explore more of that, man. I'm like, mm -hmm. give me some more, give me some more, give me some more. And Grant has been a big part of it. You know, Grant teaches exact opposite of what society teaches. And the more you see it, the more you see how the system that my parents believed in, right? right. My parents believed get a job, stay there, yeah. bust your Worker back. bees, right? Yeah, worker bees, right? Yeah. And now I understand that how that system, why that system was designed of course. and who it ultimately benefits. And I think a lot of people are seeing that now today with baby boomers that are not financially free, right? Most baby boomers are working as greeters at Walmart yep. or they're catching a little bit of social security and a little bit of retirement money, Yep. but they're not financially free, right? Mm -hmm. They're living budget paycheck to paycheck still, basically. And I think us, our generation, is starting to go, yeah, I don't want to do that shit. Right. <laughs> I don't want to do that, yeah. man. Like, yeah. hell no. And yeah. then the generation coming by. They want nothing to do with more it. So, yeah. Like, no way. Ain't happening. So, yeah, it was just a process of getting in the rooms, having the conversations, educating myself. Um, but it was, a, it was a huge shift from where I was. But it's, it's little things over time, bro. Like, Atomic... Um, uh, what's that book? Atomic Habits? I don't know if you've ever read it. No, I haven't. Atomic Habits talks about it, man. It's like, dude, if you just, if you say you want to lose weight, right? Like, if you just take the cheese off the cheeseburger that you eat every day versus somebody who doesn't, two years from now, you will be in much better physical shape than if you eat the cheese, the cheese on the cheeseburger, right? right? Like, little tiny. Sure things over time that make a massive difference yeah um before we have to wrap up pretty soon here but already uh, i know i know yeah because you got to be at Meltzer at what 12 15 yeah man yeah Damn. we got we could we could go another 
10, ten, minutes. ten minutes. Yeah, that was fast. Um, I know it goes quick, right? Um, how much is content creation a part of your life in terms of you know podcasting and social media and stuff? Is it does it play a big part for your business? I create content every day. Um, I write a thirty minute show every day. You write a 30 minute show. So like where I just wing it, you actually come in structured for the, for I the, write it. So, really? So I wake up, do my morning stuff. And then it's crazy how this whole thing happened, man. Like this, our podcast is nuts. So Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee yep. all over the place. Yep. Right. NFL wise, everybody's screaming, black people and white people, everybody's fighting. Yep. Right. Every time I get on social media, everybody's fighting. And I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, I hate this. Yeah. I hate that everybody's fighting. It's driving me nuts. Yeah. And so I learned a long time ago that if something really bothers you, like really bothers you, to me, that's the universe's way of saying, do something about it. Mm -hmm. Right? Like if it just bothers you and you sweep it under the rug, that's one thing. But like it was bugging me. Like yeah. I was becoming an asshole because of it. Yeah. And so I was like, I got to do something about it. And I'm like, well, I cannot eradicate I can't eradicate negativity online, but mm -hmm. I can create one little teeny tiny space that's motivational, educational, inspirational, that will never have politics, never have division, never have news, never have any of that. I can create one little space on the web, even if just for me, so I have a little place to go to. And so I was like, well, when can I do it? I'm like, well, and we need it like every day, at least every weekday. I was like, maybe I could do it at 8 a.m. No, uh, kids will be up, got to work. 7 a.m., no. 6 a.m., no. 5.30, I'm like, okay, at 5.30, I'll never have anything else to do. Like, no one's going to, I don't have any meetings at 5.30. The kids aren't up at 5.30. And so I went live January um, January 11th, 2018, at 5.30 a.m. Lights were all bright. Like, I was like, oh, shit, what am I thinking? I was sitting in my utility closet in my house. I had the water heater back here where nobody could see it, a ring light and a phone. And I went live, and I was like, I don't know what we're doing here. I'm just going to show up. Every day, and I promise you there'll be no news, no politics, no negativity, no division. If you're looking for a space like that too, come hang out with me. Like, I'll be here. And so that was episode one, and it was like seven minutes long. Fast forward, now we're 1,074 episodes in as of this morning. <laughs> wow. And the process has been tweaked to where I do my morning stuff, and I write the words, good morning, and then I write, today is, whatever the date is, and what's crazy is today is the very first and the very last time it'll ever be, whatever the date is. And then I just flow. I just literally write. And I write four pages of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I get done at 4.40 a.m. I take that, jump in the car, drive to the studio. 5 a.m., I build it in my Wirecast. I usually have like 30 slides and videos and whatever. Wow. I, I fully produce it. And then we go live at 5.30. I told my wife if Every I day, five days a week. Five days a week. I told my wife if I ever write the words good morning and nothing comes after, I know that's the last the last episode. But as of now, we're five years in and something's flowed. Four pages of content has flowed out every single day. For, effortless. It's effortless. Wow. It's crazy. And the whole thing's been built. We have a whole community around it, tens of thousands of people now. We sell morning five planners with those morning routines. Uh, we've had, you know, obviously tens of millions of views and... It's just, it's crazy, man. And how long have you had this business where you do like the, the consulting for the... Three uh, years. Three years. Yeah. And then prior to that, you were running a dealership? Correct. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I was running in Kentucky. Yeah. In Kentucky. Yeah. Are you from? Were you born in Kentucky? No, grew up in Arizona. Grew up in Arizona. Born in Texas. Grew up in Arizona. Okay. Got went to Kentucky to get as far away from her as humanly possible. Okay. And then uh, met my wife in Kentucky, and my wife was from Paris, oh, Kentucky. Wow. Oh, okay. Paris, Kentucky. Yeah, he was like, wow. <laughs> uh, that was a letdown. That was a buzzkill. I was like, was wow. Paris, oh. Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. all right. And, uh, Sorry, no disrespect. Paris, and, Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. And um, she got pregnant, and she wanted to be close to her mom, and so we moved to Paris, and there was a tiny little dealership there in Paris, Kentucky uh, that had been there for 56 years, selling 120 cars a month, and so I went and got a job at that place. It went under new ownership. And me and the new owner together were a force to be reckoned with, and we grew the store 800% in just under six years. 800%? 800%, yeah. Grew it 800%, made it the second largest used car franchise dealership in the United States of America in a city of population 9,600 people. It's almost impossible. Can't be done. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's what what we were told. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so uh, crushed it on that, decided to leave October of 2018 that that season was up, spent about a year frolicking around trying to figure out what I was going to do and landed on what we do now. And there probably isn't one key on. to what made that so successful, that dealership. Like there's probably a bunch of factors, yeah. but like was, was systems, yeah. was it all sure. reverts back to that? Sure. Yeah. Really? Just operations, just tightening up the ship. Uh, this will actually blow your mind. You're, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to find a constant, consistent theme with me. Okay. First thing I do with all the dealerships and the first thing that we did there is we changed the way we start our day. So Mindset. Mo- well, just most dealerships across America, here's how they start their day. Joe and Tommy and Sarah and Susie come in at roughly 8.30 whenever they get there. Some of them are hungover. Some of them were playing <laughs> Fortnite till 3 o'clock in the morning the night before. Whatever they were doing, right? Drinking, drugging, all that stuff's prevalent in the, in the car business, Right. So they get there about whatever time. Now, once they get there, everybody decides who's going to get breakfast, right? So they talk about Fortnite. They talk about the drinking. They talk about the drug, and they talk about all those things. Mm-hmm. And then somebody's got to go get breakfast. So then they argue over who's going to go get breakfast. And then somebody goes and get breakfast. And while they're getting breakfast, everyone else is getting Monster Energy drinks and Red Bulls because they're trying to recover from the hangover or whatever they were doing the night before. Yep. This happens in every dealership in America at 8.30 a.m., right? So about 10.30 or 11.00 is when most of the salespeople start to kind of kick in, right? Yeah. And so most dealerships are operating, as far as I'm concerned, from like 11 o'clock forward. So what we do and what we did at the store is we change the way we start our day. So I have a, a lead system. It's called Listen, Encourage, Advise, and Develop, and do it daily, L-E-A-D-D, right? So we put the lead system in place. 8.30 a.m., we have our meetings that follow this lead system. So we listen to our people first. Yep. We encourage our people, high energy music, celebrations of g- good Google reviews or results or whatever, right? We encourage. Then we advise, here's what needs to happen. Here's where you screwed up. Here's what we got to fix. And then we take time to develop. So every single meeting has a training piece with the intention that our people will walk away knowing at least one thing they didn't know when they walked in the building. So by changing that, what ends up happening is your people actually desire to be at work first thing in the morning. They're ready to be at work first thing in the morning. They start making different decisions the night before because they know you're going to call them out. They know you're going to be in this high energy environment, right? Yeah. So they start changing their lives outside of work 
which gets us better results inside the store. So really just that piece. Now, obviously there's marketing things we had to do. There's digital things we had to do and so on and so forth. But the key is we got more out of each individual on our team than any other dealership in the country because we helped them become the best versions of themselves that they could cost possibly be. And it all starts with how you start your day. I love it, man. Yeah, man. This was really fun. We, we need you back here. Uh, I, yeah, whenever I you're back it, in man. town, we're doing this again. We need to do Anytime. a deeper dive. Um, follow Glenn. His Instagram's up there somewhere. There it is right there. And, uh, man, this was really, really special. I'm, I'm so glad uh, you said hi yesterday. Yeah, man. I'm yeah. glad we connected. I didn't even realize we were on video this whole time. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Have I been picking my nose no, over you're there, good. You're Dominique, good. Or? No, you're good. Yeah, no, okay. You're all, all right. good. Just double checking. All right, gang. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know how to end the show, Dom? Do you even? You do? Well, do it. Whatever it is you do. I'll figure it out. All right. I'll mess it up. <laughs> 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 ah, that's good stuff. Boom. All right.